Well, I mean, but can we can can we multiply five thousand customers times ten thousand dollars in ACV? You're doing about fifty million in annual revenue. No, I would say it's not any because again, it's not an average. The average is not weighted, so it's uh, our revenue right now is just under ten million. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Adam Sandman. He founded Inflectra in 2006 and has been a programmer since the age of 10. Today, he serves as the company's CEO and is responsible for product strategy, technology innovation, and business development. The company helps you manage the entire software lifecycle. Adam, you ready to take us to the top? Sure, absolutely. So Inflectra was, was founded uh, really in 2006 to help companies of all sizes you know, improve their quality of their software development, software testing. Uh, at that time in the market, there weren't many products focused on the smaller and medium-sized businesses, a lot of uh, tools for large companies, not a lot for the mid-sized and, and again, startup companies. Um, so started the company in 2006 to provide that missing solution in the market. And as the market evolved, uh, basically, we've grown the company now to focus a lot more on more complex regulated industries and more complex business problems, providing quality, reliability, and compliance to customers in various different industries. So who are some of those customers, Adam? Um, the customers from large defense contractors, um, you probably don't know the names, large supply chain companies, uh, banks, insurance companies, uh, people like Cincinnati Insurance, uh, people like Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, healthcare systems, hospitals, uh, supply chain, food retailers, uh, people who import bananas. And Adam, any, what, are any, these, any kind of what are these folks paying on average per year to use your technology? Uh, the average deal size is about 10000 a year. Um, okay. And we do, and we do a mixture of. And when we say SaaS, it's a mixture of uh, on-premise and cloud-based, but it is recurring revenue. So we do, we maintain both a traditional self-hosted option, but it's still subscription-based as well as a cloud-based offering. And when you look at your total revenue from 2021, what percent was on-prem versus SaaS in the cloud? Uh, total revenue uh, was sixty uh, percent cloud, forty percent on-prem. Uh, new business is more like seventy thirty, uh, but we do retain and anticipate retaining a significant uh, on-prem business. Very interesting. And take me back to 2006. Do you remember the year you uh, landed your first customer? Yeah, well, the business was founded in 2006. The first customer didn't actually land until September 2007. So 2006, you found the company, start writing the software, released the first version. You're the sole founder? I'm sole founder, correct. Do you still own 100%? Uh, I do. Oh wow, that's inc- that's rare. That's incredible. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And you know that those nine months from January launching the first version to the first sale in September was the most nerve-wracking, probably in 15, 16, whatever it is years. Amazing. I, I I would probably agree with that. Okay, so how many customers are you serving now today? Uh, currently today, uh, eighty thousand users for five thousand uh, paying customers. Five thousand. Pay- are they all paying at ten thousand bucks a year? No, no. Th- that's the average. I mean, it goes from like the you know one thousand a year small customers up to the you know. $150,000 a year, larger customers, $200,000 a year type of customers. Well, I mean, but can we can, can we multiply 5,000 customers times $10,000 in ACV? You're doing about $50 million in annual revenue? No, I would say it's not any, because again, it's not an average. The average is not weighted. So it's uh, our revenue right now is just under $10 million. Okay, that's still fantastic. Okay, and if revenue today is $10 million, what were you doing about, about exactly a year ago? Um, it was about, oh my goodness, eight point something last year. 
And so where's that growth coming from? This is fantastic. You found a way to drive growth without having to go give up a bunch of equity. Uh, really two, two main channels, the online channel, which has been our traditional channel, direct sales, online SEO, all the stuff you do online. And then we recently launched our uh, partner channel. And this is something I would recommend anyone look at doing uh, as a small company where you don't have a huge sales force, uh, launching a partner channel where you can bring in off, they call off sheet balance, off balance sheet uh, sales folks is really important. Uh, who who us, is the partner? Uh, well, these are partners, we consulting firms for the most part, because we, you know, our software is used for development and testing. So companies that will do software testing and project management, they need tools, they're going to bring in clients to us. And so bringing in partners that can bring in the product. And a lot of times independent consultants who move from client to client, they will sell the tool for us, but they're not actually employees. They're just simply freelancers and then consulting firms that need tools and are evangelists for us. Adam, you for, mentioned SEO is critical for you. Name a keyword that's driven you a bunch of great customers and traffic. Uh, requirements traceability is probably the number one. Say it again. Uh, requirements traceability. Interesting. It's sufficiently long tail that it's not like testing software that everyone goes for, but it's not so obscure. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I'm curious right now. I'm going to look it up. Requirements traceability. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so yeah, you're number three. This this makes a lot of sense. Interesting. And this was intentional, right? So how do you go find other words like requirements traceability to go rank for to get free traffic? So first of all, I would recommend what we did is do AdWords, do paid search, find which keywords you rank for, find the competitiveness of those keywords on paid search, and then translate them over to content writing in organic, in the SEO search, write, write articles, write blogs, see what starts to rise, and then write more of them, and ultimately bring in an SEO firm. We did a lot of it organically ourselves, but at some point, you will need to bring in an expert who can help you deal with the technical and, and uh, you know, links and, and the structure side of things. Adam, what's the name of the SEO firm you used? Uh, Effective Spend, based in Austin, Austin Texas effective spend.com yes correct huh. and they were good they are good they do paid search we've used them for paid search for many years uh we brought them on to seo a couple of years ago and when you say paid search like they start off like how much are they managing per month for you uh they were managing uh about 13 to thirteen thousand a month in adwords spend um uh, Typically, I don't want to disclose their fears. That's probably not allowed. But they they charge a percentage of that, which is typical in the industry. Ah, uh, very interesting. Yeah, ten to twenty percent is usually yeah, 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 what's yeah. pretty typical. Yes, yes, <laughs> they're, yes, they're they're on the lower end of that range. It's hard, you know. A lot of founders listening right now, they go, "I want to find an SEO firm," but all the agencies have tried are trash. So it's hard to find ones that are really good. What have you done? Like, what what assets have you given? Effective uh, effective expenses uh, or effective spend? Name? Yeah, yeah, effective spend. Where where you think you've set them up for success? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I don't. Um, I think working very honestly with them, it being very transparent with them, we, you know, they did it for an index of our website. They spent a lot of time researching and analyzing it, looking at the what was ranking. They also were our paid search vendor, so they knew which keywords were affordable and profitable and a good ROI already. So it was actually easier bringing them in. Um, I think also we spent a lot of time looking at the content on the pages and doing some partnership work where we would they would suggest pages that need improving. We would write some of the content. The problem with an SEO vendor, especially in B2B, is they don't know your industry as well as you do. So they're not going to write such good content potentially, but you can write good content. But you don't know what to write, where to write, where to structure it. So having, I think having some organic writing resources combined with an SEO firm is paramount. You can't just say, here's my website, SEO it. That's, I think, unrealistic. And Very interesting. And if you don't spend at least 5000 a month on SEO, it's not worth spending anything. So if you're not going to spend at least 5000 5, Yeah, yeah. A, a firm that's not charging you at least 5000 probably isn't going to make any difference to your uh, ranking. Very interesting. Okay, what year did you start working with Effective Spend? Uh, for paid search, it's about seven or eight years ago. For SEO, it's only two years. 
wow, that's incredible. You rarely see relationships this long. You've been work, using with, working with them for seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Correct. And how small were you in terms of revenue when you first started working with them? Uh, must be two or three million a year. Wow. Uh, okay, very interesting. Um, do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. Very interesting. Did you, how long did it take you for you to go? Oh man, because at two million, spending five grand a month, you might be like, Ooh, this is oh, this. Oh well, we did. No, that was it. That was the yeah, that was the paid search. The paid search was only ten percent. Uh, uh, the lower range of your range percent. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, ten percent of the the AdWords spend also has gone up. So back then we were probably spending about four to five thousand in, in AdWords spend. They were managing that, and then we've now grown up to okay, thirteen, fourteen, where I said a thousand in an in an AdWords spend. So. And that's, a vendor like that is great because you can scale your spend with them as you, your, your AdWords builds up. And then once we hit a certain size, we're now able to afford you know, an SEO service that really was out of reach back then. Mm-hmm. And how did you find them out of curiosity? It's an interesting story. And it was, it was, we, we were working for another vendor called, uh, with another vendor called Gary LSF. They were doing our AdWords and our, uh, some early SEO work. And they went out of business. And we found out that they'd actually outsourced all their work to these guys. And so we inherited them because they were the ones doing the work anyway. We're like, let's cut the middleman. That's uh, hysterical. Okay, very interesting. And take me back. You launched in 2006, first customer yes. 2007. What year was your first million in revenue? Um, so it says, uh, was it being around, oh my goodness, 2010, uh, 11, something around that. I have to go back in the records. And, and, and it was very hard to break that million. I mean, that was, I say the hardest, the hardest thing is to break the first million. Uh, I think then five is probably the next, but you know, it's, it's that, that, I think that breaking the 1 million mark is the hardest of all, because I think what happens is you have to change everything you're doing. Um, you can go from, you know, everything can be online. It can all be self-service. You can have online trials. Once you, you get to a certain point, your customers will expect more handholding. And as a founder, you're used to doing everything, but, you know, being kind of the jack of all trades, you got to start specializing. So hiring a customer success person, a partner person, people who do demos that aren't me, you know, that was a big change. And you're going from basically the, the, the brains and the builder to being the manager and the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. How many folks are full-time on the team today? Uh, full-time today or full-time equivalent, uh, 50 full-time equivalents, about 40 full-time plus some part-time. Uh, sorry, say that one more time, 40 full-time? Was, uh, 40 full-time plus 10 other you know, uh, part-timers. That I see. Out of the 40, how many are engineers? Um, 15 to 20. 15 to 20. Do you print money from this business? So, so, so I say? Do you print money from this business? Uh, at a company level, yes, but we reinvest, we reinvest most of it to grow the company. Um, so as a personal level, not, not, not as much as I could, but I want to grow the business and build a, a, a long sustaining business with a, with, a, with a great culture. So I'm actively reinvesting everything we can apart from what I need. Ha, yeah. So what, what do you need? How low have you kept your living expenses? Uh, we, you know, we, we, have a, we have a 2006 Subaru. That's one of the oldest cars on the team. Uh, I take the bus to work. 
Um, actually, mainly because I like to work on the bus and get things done. Um, but I, you know, I stand on middle class existence. I haven't, you know, we've got a kid going to college. Uh, shout out to USC uh, in a few months. So I've got to pay enough to cover that. But my wife worked full time, which really helps. She, when I started the company, she works for the government. So that really helps having a working spouse who can, you know, let you follow your dreams. What's the largest uh, M&A deal you've turned down? Oh, to buy the, for us to buy, uh, to buy us? Um, we ha- honestly, we haven't, we've, 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 we haven't pursued any, any, we've had people come close to talk to us about, you know, generally buying the company. The problem is that uh, we don't really want to sell the company at the moment. And so we haven't gotten, just to, just to avoid distracting us, we haven't gone too far down that path. So we've yeah. talked to some people, but nothing's gone to the point right where we're number we've on the table, really. What, what, what kind of number would have to be out there where it's worth your time to be distracted to pursue the deal? I think at this point, probably 50 to 100 million, something that, you know, we'd, we'd want to be the point where this was going to be, they're going to help take us to the next level as a company that we can't do ourselves. We're growing 50% year over year. We're, we're making good revenue. We've got a strong culture. We'd have to be able to do that at scale. If we're just going to roll them into a large BMS that's, you know, four other companies, we don't want to do that. Would you be open to something that's like 75 million where 50% is cash, 50% is stock, and you keep running this thing and growing it together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Very interesting. I think you might get some calls after this interview. We'll see. Um, (laughs) Okay. So again, just to be clear, totally bootstrapped today. You still own hundred percent. Any co-founders? Uh, uh, no, my wife and I, I mean, she technically is, is a part owner just to keep our marriage straight, but uh, she, she just doesn't really work in the company. I've got, so I've got a leadership team, but you know, no one has any equity. Uh, if we ever decide to go public or do something, we'd obviously figure out what to do with that. So that's something to think about is what do you do when you've run a company? You're going to, you know, you want to reward people long-term. The problem with giving out stock when you're private and you're not you know, investor backed is it's a, it's a lot of legal complications dealing with that, giving away private stock. So we have a good cash-based compensation. We have, we have a team bonus. We do things that are uh, encouraging Wait, Adam, for the teach culture. me about that. So okay. many bootstrappers go, Nathan, how do I set up a bonus for my employees? And I go, I don't know. I, I've never done it. What? How do you do it? What's the calculation? Uh, what we do is we put every year, we look at the profit target for the year for the company. We divide it by the number of employees. We obviously allow how much we want to retain. And then we say that funds the bonus pool. Look at the number of employees, give everyone based on their role uh, a allocation of the bonus pool and then at the end of the each six month period we say if if say we were going to make x x thousand dollars in revenue sorry in profit uh and we made it everyone gets their full bonus for six months that they had in their pool if we made 50 percent of our target everyone gets 50 percent. but we have actually on one thing we have no sales commissions everyone even salespeople, are all on salary and everything is is a team bonus that the company makes as a whole that and for us that's really important encourages that we work together as a team or synced as a team Mm-hmm. So last year in December, when you looked at this sort of six month thing, what yeah. was the profit pool at the end of 2021? Uh, I can't give you the dollar number, but I can say we fully funded it uh, for the year and for, for that six months period. And for I see. Prior. We, I mean, are we talking like a million bucks or more like a, like a, like 500 grand you're splitting up? Uh, the, the lower number, yeah. More than okay, lower. 000, so yeah. just to just to run the math with hypothetical numbers, yeah, five. Your target is 500 thousand bucks in profit last six yeah. months of last year. Right. You hit it. Congratulations, yes, correct. Checksmart. Correct. You didn't take 500 grand divided by 40 people on the team. It's not a straight because some people, uh, you know, people make more money and have been longer, potentially have a higher. Because when we give raises, we might give a raise in base, we might give a raise in bonus pool. So it's not as simple as everyone gets exactly. So that's what I'm saying. How do you decide the multiplier or the percentage of the bonus pool that each person gets? What are the inputs? Uh, I, yeah, primarily it was, t- it's the primary one is actually base salary. It's, a, it's, it's sort of a rough percentage of that, but it's also tenure. So it's a combination of those two factors, I would say. And so if I'm making hundred grand as a senior engineer at yes. Inflectra, you might say, okay, Nathan, you're eligible for 5% of hundred grand in the bonus pool. So 5K. Uh, probably more like 10 to 20, honestly. Okay. So there's 10K. And then I've been there for 
how do you how do you decide the ten year multiplier? Is it ten years is one thing, five years is another? Uh, it's not as formal as that being small. It's more like we, when we do a pay raise, we'll say, okay, you've had a great year. We're going to raise your base by X. And guess what? Your your uh, your bonus will go from, say, 10,000 a year to 15. So it becomes more step function. It's not like a smooth uh, graph. As we as we get bigger and more formalized with HR, we probably will do more of that. But right now, it's been very much a, you know, you did a great year. You've, you've achieved above and beyond. We're going to raise your base. We're also going to, because we want to incent you to, 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 to work hard for the company, we'll raise your bonus pool by you know, 5K, 10K. But it's definitely more lumpy than, than probably it would be in a larger company. Really, really interesting. Okay, this is great. Uh, let's wrap up here, Adam, with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Oh my goodness. Um, you, you, uh, famous, favorite book. I read so many books, I love them all. Uh, my mind's gone blank. Um, can we come back to that one a second? I don't think I would ever get you with how this interview has gone, your mind going blank. I think I've won the interview. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, I, I just love so many books. Um, I, oh, goodness, I love actually, last- I, I, the last, my last favorite one is Hatching Twitter, which I'm sure a lot of people have read. I love that book. Um, I read the, um, the Guest List, which is a great thriller set on an island in the uh, west coast of Ireland. It's a lot of fun. So I love any, all kinds of books. But those there are you go. Number, number two, is there a founder you're following or studying? Oh, I love Richard Branson. I've always had a soft spot for him. Number two, uh, three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I do love Canva. I will say uh, it's one of my favorites. Little side, side, side hustle. I love just noodling around with it. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Eight. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Uh, married, two kids, one in college, one finishing college. That's exciting. Uh, well, and one's going into USC, well, one, right? well, one's going to college and one's just finished college. Yeah. One's finished. Yeah. So I'll be an empty nester in about two months. That's exciting. Okay. And how old are you? 47. 47. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh, um, it will, you'll have time for all of it. Don't worry about the order. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Inflector launched in 2006. 2007 got their first customer. Last year broke 8.6 million bucks in revenue. This year breaking 10 million, growing almost 40, 50% year over year. As a bootstrap SaaS company, Adam still owns 100%. Super rare. This guy's my kind of unicorn, right? This guy's my kind of unicorn. Uh, profit sharing with the team, 40 people full-time, 10 contractors, uh, using paid search, all the stuff you sort of expect to scale nicely. And then just recently launching uh, relationships with partner networks. Again, helping you bring harmony to your software life cycle, tools for managing and testing all those applications. Adam, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much, Nathan. Have a good one.